Wellness Force Radio, episode 20. You know, fitness and exercise is, is an action. It's a habit. But those habits are created by how you think, how you feel, and what you believe. And so I can't really go into the fitness industry ignoring all the other aspects that create the habits and the desires that one has for their body or the feelings or the relationship one has with their body. And so put that all together. And I'm like, I'm not really in the fitness industry. Welcome to Wellness Force Radio, where you will hear inspiring and passionate experts in the areas of wellness technology and behavior change. Your host, Josh Trent, will empower you with the knowledge and tools you need to take the very best actions in transforming your mindset, your body, and ultimately your life. Now here's your host. Wellness Force Radio, welcome back for another inspirational show. I'm your host, Josh Trent, and thank you for sharing a slice of your day with me. This show is where you'll find the most inspiring and passionate experts in behavior change and wellness technology. These are the thought leaders. They dedicate their lives to empowering others with knowledge and tools that drive real transformation in our physical and emotional wellness. As a gift to you, show notes from today and all the free resources are over at wellnessforce.com slash radio. If what we talk about today on the show means something to you or resonates with you, please Share it with friends or family that you care about. With your ratings and reviews, I can continue to keep bringing on the best information and leaders. So thank you for your support. Now let's jump into the show. Today, I am talking with my good friend, empowerment strategist and fitness celebrity, JJ Flazanes. JJ, welcome to the show. Thanks, Josh. I am so pumped to have on a fit pro, especially someone with your eclectic background. I mean, this is like the coolest thing because you have seen the industry change so much, but today's show isn't just about fitness. It's about the integration of mind and body from a woman who I've been really impressed with. I've known you for a few months now, and I feel like you've made this your life's work over two decades, but I'm curious before I read your bio, what is something that people might not know about you? Hmm. Well, if you're listening to me and you have heard me in terms of, and maybe you haven't heard of me, but when you're listening to me and you're visualizing what I might look like or the energy that I may have, a lot of people, when they first hear me, think I'm really intense. And I've probably calmed down a lot over the years, uh, have a lot of that driving sort of passion to educate and help and aid and and steer people on a path that's going to be not only beneficial for their body, but also protect their joints, get them the results as they want, be it. So all those things. But just to remember that I'm also really an open-hearted, full of love, very wanting nothing more than just to make a difference in the world. So I know that sometimes when you hear someone and they sound really passionate, it's a little scary. But know that, I, <laughs> that I, I'm also that person that stops and talks to cats on the street or or helps the dying squirrel in the backyard. or Like I'm that nurturing sort of uh, crunchy granola person at times too. Very cool. That was fun. Thank you for that. Well, I, I, I love learning fun facts, but I want to read your bio. So certain things that you've done have really impressed me, and that is being a number one author on Amazon. So you're the director of Invisible Fitness. You also are a best-selling author, but really your book, How to Get Physically, Emotionally, and Spiritually Fit to Attract the Love of Your Life. This was fit to love. How was that process for you? I mean, you went down this road of being an author. That's something that I aspire to be. How, how did that work for you? I mean, walk us through being an author and what that process was. Well, you know, everybody has a story and everyone has multiple stories. And it's really that unfolding of who you are, what you're learning, and that fine tuning that happens with life. I mean, really, I believe all contrast, all 
challenges that you come up against really are about the fine tuning of what it is that you want, what is it you like, what is it you prefer, the direction that you're moving in and your calling and your purpose. And I started out in personal training by accident. It wasn't even a focus until I decided that I knew enough about myself to know that I wanted to do something with my life that I was in entertainment. I'd always been in entertainment. And using that right brain part of me, that singer, dancer, actor, uh, emotional, emoting kind of side of me. But at the same time, I knew I had a brain. I didn't know how smart I was until I started personal training. And then when I started to learn science in a new way, all of a sudden I was like, wow, like there's another side of me that I didn't really know is here. And I started to cultivate that. And so in the entertainment industry. I moved into the fitness industry. I kind of juggled both for a little while. And then through my time in the fitness industry, I went from someone who didn't think she was good at science to learning science, to feeling confident about science, to teaching science. And then along the way, just answering the questions that would be posed by my clients' situations or by my own curiosity. And a lot of people didn't have the answers that I was looking for. Or once I got the answer, another question would emerge that would be a little bit deeper. And and I just I just had this passion and curiosity for digging deeper. And I mean, part of my astrological sign, I'm a Pisces, but I've got a lot of Sag in me. And for those of you that know anything about astrology, Sagittarians are very truth-seeking and about education and learning and spirituality. And so I just kept asking and asking and asking. And basically, um, fast forward 15 years, I've been in this business and I have learned so much and I've branched out in other areas where, you know, fitness and exercise is, is an action. It's a habit, but those habits are created by how you think, how you feel and what you believe. And so I can't really go into the fitness industry, ignoring all the other aspects that create the habits and the desires that one has for their body Mm. or the feelings or the relationship one has with their body. And so put that all together. And I'm like, I'm not really in the fitness industry. I mean, I am, but, but I was, I just thought, what is, you know, what is my story? And I was working with a manager at the time and he asked me, because I was reading other people's books and, and I was fascinated by how they got to where they were. And it usually had to do with a challenge, someone overcoming some challenge, whether it be weight loss or they got through a disease or they, you know, had a near death experience or whatever. Everyone has a story. But I was like, what was my story? And he said to me, well, can you write something about fitness and love? Because I see a lot of women, smart, strong, business women, successful that have issues with men in terms of they either can't keep a relationship or they've been divorced multiple times. And I thought about that. And I went, wow, wait a minute, that was me. And I can write about that. And so Fit to Love was really born because I needed a place to define my own story, but then to also define what I think my purpose is and the benefit of all my research and education and what I'd like to share with the world. So Fit to Love was born through that question of can I do something with fitness and love? I love, speaking of love, I love that you said habits aren't just something that we spark and happen all of a sudden. They're the product of how we think, how we feel, and what we believe how does that integrate into your coaching now? I mean, you you do more than just move people through their body because way before that action takes place, there has to be those three things that occur, the thinking, the feeling, the believing. How does that work when you're meeting with a client for the first time? I mean, what does that process look like? 
Well, I know that I've, because I've fine-tuned what I want to focus on with people and how I'd like to work with people, it's changed the kind of person who's attracted to me. And for that, I am very appreciative because I always start out with the physical because that's what people come to me with. It's, I want to lose weight. I want to look good naked. (laughs) Right. I want to look good naked. I want to lose weight. I want to be stronger. I want to build muscle and increase my metabolism so that my aging process doesn't have the same effect on me as it has the last five or 10 years, whatever. And so I always start the same way. It's always an intake, but within the intake of what their goals are, I very clearly lay out that this is not all we're going to deal with and to make sure that they're okay with that. How I work with anybody is the first initial consultation. And there's no obligation past the consultation for a program because that's the time where I get to meet with you and uncover what it is that you want, try to connect the dots in some way and really think about a plan and hypothesize a plan that I would have. And whether it be, I'm just literally creating a exercise program for you so that you can go off and do it on your own, or I'm taking you on a journey. That's the time where we get to decide if we're a fit. And then whether or not what I have is something you want, or if you're ready for it. Because to be honest, Josh, not everybody wants to do this, right? Sure. So a lot of a lot of people want a trainer, which is why again the whole idea of just being stuck in the fitness industry drives me crazy. Because they just expect this is your frame of reference. I want you to give me exercises, maybe help me with nutrition, uh, focus on my cardio and all my numbers and all my tracking, keep me motivated, yell at me when I don't, or try to shame me when I don't, or whatever <laughs> works for people, right? And then past that, don't ask me any other questions. And those are not the people that I want to work with ever. Because yes. if you can't connect the dots, we are definitely not a match. And that's cool. I mean, the, the reason that you're so great at what you do is because you're thinking outside of the traditional box. And honestly, like from 10 years in fitness, that's what I've seen it to be. The, the industry is fundamentally broken. The way that you address the physical, the emotional, and the spiritual fitness, I mean, I think that's even on your site, right? Like a happy yep. life through those three components. That is really the cool focus and, and, the, and the direction I want to go with my next question. When we talk about emotional strength or emotional IQ... I know that you work with women and men, but I know that that we've talked before and with guys, there's a lot of kind of testosterone driven and the way I have to look, the way I have to be. You and I have talked about how men, when compared to women, when training a man, what are some of the things that men go through as far as shedding beliefs and gaining that emotional IQ that women don't? Well, first with a with a man, when I work with men, and I actually have more men clients than women, to be honest. Uh, I, I mean, I have a pretty even number, but I it, it's a little, it's more like 60-40. And it's because I myself feel very balanced brain and left and right brain ways of being. I can, I, I know how a lot of men think in terms of I can put myself in their shoes. That actually is a gift that came from being part of the entertainment industry is that I can mold myself into what must it be like to be you? How do you think? I use astrology. I use your background. I use your birth order. I use what you do for a living. I use your all of that to sort of be empathetic to what must it be like to be you and how you might see the world and interact with all that. And so the first thing is that trust issue and also that trust in the science. I have found that when I work with men, the first thing that they want to know is if I know what I'm talking about from a scientific point of view. If I can earn my credibility in that area, which I usually do, both with showing them bones when it comes to joints or talking about exercise physiology when it comes to muscle or talking about force when it comes to physics or talking about things like that, biochemistry when it comes to nutrition, once I've earned their trust that they 
know that I care about science and that I care about, let's say, the truth or that I'm not just making stuff up that's substantiated and I can prove myself, then I'm allowed to start asking other questions. And I have to tell you, it's been like five years with one particular client who recently has had a huge breakthrough. But it, I will tell you that it's taken us a good two to three years just to sort of chip away at it. Hmm. And not because he's unwilling, but because he's unaware. Because a lot of men because you're built to kill the deer, right? So you're focused, you, you single focused and you hunt the deer so you can provide the, for the family. And part of how you're built both hormonally as well as focally, you know, focally, if you will, that's a word, um, is, to, <laughs> is to be so focused in that way that nothing distracts you because you're, you're focused on one thing. And when you're like that, I'm not going to be able to get in there to uh, waver your focus onto your feelings because a lot of men until I've sort of sold you on the idea that your feelings really create your reality and that is the reason why everything's going on the way it is for you right now until I can get your trust to focus on that um, then it's about sort of just starting to notice how you feel I mean feelings are something that men associate to as weak and it's not everybody but it's mostly because a it's not been demonstrated i mean think about think about our history and our evolution of masculine and feminine energies we have we're in what we call third stage first stage was that like archie bunker and edith right that the guy worked and he was sort of that's what he did and the woman stayed home and that was the ultimate masculine versus feminine energy with no heart mm-hmm. and then we moved into a, a rebellion against that in the 70s 60s and 70s right where then the men everybody with the you know with being Peace and Woodstock and 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 long hair and bright colors and so all of a sudden men become more about feelings and women went into the workforce and so that was like second stage where we sort of switched roles and men focus more on feelings and women focus more on being linear and now now we're in an era where we want both and we want a full left and right brained and emotion and logical person and so we're being called to look at this in a different way. And so I think for men, it's it's getting over that stigma, if there is any, that your feelings make you weak. I think we're kind of out of that. But just to really make sure you're reassured with it, don't be deceived. Because, like again, it's that scientific, um, psychological proof that really everything that you experience, everything that you feel is because of what you think. So if we don't focus on your beliefs and your thoughts, which create your feelings and then therefore lead you to your actions and guys are logical, I can give it to you logically. I can speak the language that you understand. (laughs) I think it's cool. I think it's really cool because you touched on the fact that these beliefs go back two and three different levels of, of time frame and generation. I, I think about Mad Men, you know, that show where they're like drinking and smoking in the office and, and women had their place in that time. But you're right. Now we're in this phase of evolution, emotional evolution, where people do want it all. But I'm curious what, what obstacles and what struggles that you see on a day-to-day basis in your community and with the clients you work in, how are people actually achieving this balance? Is it possible to achieve this balance in this third realm of emotional understanding? I think it is, but you have to want it and you have to be willing to focus on it to be a, and create an awareness about its effect on you. So this client that I'm speaking of, he's in his early 60s. And so he's used to, and he's the firstborn child of three, and he owns a company. So on one side, he's used to being a leader and he's used to being responsible for a whole 
office and, and factory full of people. And when you're responsible for other people, and especially as a guy, your duty is to take care of them. And I know I see it in everything he does that his duty is in his mind to provide for everybody. So for him to think, oh, I'm going to go deal with my thoughts and feelings might seem like, well, why would I do that? I have to focus on them. But when I could connect over the years, the dots between what's basically happening to him right now, because he's ignoring it. And how his health declines because he's ignoring it, how his relationship is in trouble because he's not paying attention to it. So how he manifested cancer because he didn't pay attention to it, how he, which he overcame and cancer was a blessing. But until we can look at our lives and take responsibility for what we're not paying attention to and how it contributes to our reality, the obstacles that get in the way are just, again, those beliefs of it's unimportant. I never saw anyone else do it. Does it mean I'm weak? I have, it makes me uncomfortable. I don't know what to do with it, which is true. I mean, where do we learn about our emotions? from our parents, but it's not like we learn about emotions. We don't. Mm-hmm. It's not a subject in school. Self-awareness is not a subject in school. How to deal with emotions, conflict resolution. Hello. I w- I'm just I- laughing right now. What if you saw a sign on a college campus that said, you know, course 27B, uh, self-awareness 101. It doesn't exist. <laughs> it doesn't exist. And and I, I would retitle that course. I would, <laughs> I, would, I would title the course as to learn how to get everything that you want. Because when you come down to it, it's about understanding that we all have feelings and we all have needs. And that most of the time when you have a feeling that's negative or uncomfortable, it's because a need isn't being met. So I can appeal to, again, that logical, unemotional, sort of strategic, masculine way of looking at things to make it a problem and help you problem solve it. Now, that's different than experiencing the feeling, but at least (laughs) if I can at least make you aware of that and you start to sort of tap into the connection between your head and your body and where you hold emotions, because feeling emotions is separate from problem solving them. Okay. Mm. Um, so those are two different topics and, and men will problem solve them, but not necessarily always want to feel them. The fear is that, especially for the sadness that I don't want to go there. It's, it feels bad and I don't know what to do with it. And it scares me. Yeah. So I, I think you touched on something really strong too. And I, a moment of truth for me, just, just to get really real with you. I mean, this issue of trust, a trust issue among men, men being able to really truly express their emotions radically. There's healing that can occur in that. There's a lot of physical healing that can also occur besides healing in the emotions. And it's something that I've explored this year. I mean, I've gone to a few workshops in Marina Del Rey through Mastery and Transformational Training. And we really touched on this in the course about it's okay to actually feel what you feel as a man. So with with this, with this blending of emotional intelligence and physical intelligence, I'm curious what your thoughts are about the law of attraction. I mean, I've seen this on your site and I, I feel like I've even seen podcasts where you've gone into this topic, but how would you describe law of attraction in your life and with the people that you coach and train? So to me, the law of attraction is a law, therefore it just is. And it is whether you are aware of it or not. <laughs> and so you are like a radio wave. You're, you're basically emitting a frequency and that frequency comes from how you're feeling, both consciously and subconsciously. And so you're emitting this frequency and the things that are coming to you match that frequency. Now the frequency changes throughout the day, throughout the year, throughout the weeks, throughout the month, whenever. But um, but if you start to notice sort of how things show up for you, they're really a reflection of where you are. Now, that doesn't mean it's bad because I know a lot of people hear that. When I first heard you are the creator of your own reality, which was from a Abraham Hicks CD, 
a Love Attraction CD, I felt like, wow, that really made an impact on me because it meant if I'm the creator of my own reality, then I can change my reality. I have the power to create whatever I want. And to me, that was very empowering. Mm. However, I know that a lot of people hear that and feel bad about themselves. Like, oh, well, then I'm screwing up or I'm broken or I can't do this or I don't have any. For some reason, it gets interpreted in a completely different way for them, which I totally respect and understand. It just wasn't my experience. So I know sometimes that pressure feels overwhelming, but it really is the reality. And it's you can also put it in the term of being a victim versus being uh, or being proactive versus reactive. And and while it doesn't have to get too much more complicated than that, it really is that everything that comes to you is a gift to show you where you are. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you've done something wrong, even if it's something that you don't want. Because contrasts, which is basically obstacles or challenges, are ways to clarify. I said that at the beginning of the show. Everything in life good and bad is about, especially the bad, the bad we need it. It's like in a painting or a picture. If you just had a canvas that was white and had no color on it, or if you had a song that only had one note, there's no contrast. There's no, there's no depth to it. You need contrast in order to refine your life and what you want and to get you to the next level and to get you to expand and, and to, you know, be a knock at the door to say, Hey, what are you doing? You want something better than what's currently going on. Yes. Yeah, so so law of attraction really just is, and it's it's a way for you to pay attention. And of course, there's exercises, and there's a I mean body of work that's decades long and and longer that addresses it from many different angles. But that's what law of attraction is to me. And a lot of people might 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 judge this and, and say, you know, this sounds like smoke and mirrors or woo woo. But I think what I've been seeing and, and what I'm hearing from you is that the emotional strength of someone's mind, their psychological framework, unless that is taken care of, there is absolutely Absolutely no way that the physical body is going to change in the long term as far as sustainability. Have you seen any key commonalities of ways in which people can begin this emotional strengthening program? What does that look like when they're just beginning to kind of say to themselves, oh, my God, I have emotions and I'm allowed to feel them? Yeah, I actually have a client that I work with over Skype, and she's someone who came to me through a therapist, and when she was with the therapist, she didn't like, she was rejecting a lot of the things. It was very uncomfortable. She didn't want to face any of the stuff. She would just say, no, 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 I don't, I'm not like you people. This isn't for me. It was a group. Oh, she and, said you people. <laughs> well, I mean, not not out loud. Right, but, right, right. But, yeah. but really, it was in her mindset, no, 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 everybody in here is really sad and depressed and and has a lot of stuff, and <laughs> I have a really great life, and I'm not going there. So she rejected it. So, but then she became a client of mine and through my show and through working with me over the last almost two years now, I mean, she has told me recently that I'm a blessing because she was, she was asleep and now she's becoming awake and she's understanding and taking a look at her behavior and her feelings and asking deeper questions because she wants to get the change. And she understands that it's not just about how much time she spends walking or doing the treadmill or what she's putting in her mouth. It's so much deeper than that. And it doesn't have to be a lifelong process. It doesn't have to be painful, but there is an awareness that it's all connected. And until you're willing to at least look at that, then you're probably going to just experience temporary results and be frustrated and think that it's just about the diet or it's just about the food and it's not. So when you work with someone who's, who's fresh and who's resistant to this emotional training, 
How do you convince or coach or direct someone that it's worth it, that the pain that they're going to go through or the things that they're going to have to actually feel all over again, maybe they've been stuffing it down for years. What are some things that you might say to them to give them permission to begin this journey? Well, I usually ask questions and when I can find a correlation, just sort of like, you know, I'm an explorer. So I'm going to ask about, oh, the ex-husband or the the pain or the the parents or, the, but I just ask that anyway. I would ask that of anybody because I'm just mm. curious anyway. And then again, I, like I told you all the things I incorporate, their sign, their, their, if they were the firstborn, secondborn, thirdborn, sixthborn, whatever, um, all of those, inf- all that information I, I take into consideration. And because I actually have people that are resistant. I have at least one or two right now who are resistant to the work. And I still support them in the ways that they want me to. And I just allow them to be where they are. It's not about convincing. I would say that probably a couple years ago or five years ago, I was in that place of wanting to help somebody so much. Because at that point, it's not really about them. It's about me. Um, convince them to do the, this kind of work and really be emotionally attached to that. But the reality of it is, that's my issue. That's They're on their journey. And they're going to get to it when they get to it. And I'm here to offer support, help, and guidance if they want it and if they think they need it. And if they don't, it's not my life and it's not my job to change them. So that's been a journey for me in in the course of being a personal trainer. I used to take it very personally in the early years when people wouldn't listen to me or do what I said Mm. because it, it, again, that emotional work, it triggered sort of the insecurity within me. And because I felt this, you know, validation if somebody listened and did what I said. (laughs) So, right. And so now it's really had to work through my own self-worth issues to be able to say, you know, I honor your journey and I'm here to support you in in any way that you can. And if I get to a place where I can't, because I feel conflicted that they're, you know, just repeating the same pattern over and over again, then I won't work with them. Yes. And, uh, and, and I loved how you position that too. You're like, you know, I, I used to con- try to convince people when I was a personal trainer. I can so relate with you. I had gone home many nights before thinking, why the hell aren't they doing what I tell them? <laughs> they're paying me great money and, you know, they're coming in and they say they're dedicated. So I really loved the way that you were vulnerable there. And you said, you know, that was actually about me. It had nothing to do with my client. It was about me kind of validating myself that I was good enough for them to listen to. So thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. Well, that's that's the work. The work is never about, in my opinion, it's never about the other person. It's always about something going on within you. Even when the person, you can point to them and say, but they did this, this, and this, and this. I can go, well, law of attraction says that you can't pull from someone that you don't have. So what was it about you that, that helped to create the situation? Or what was it about you going on with you or the way that you viewed them or believed about them or the situation that you need to heal, which is why it happened? I mean, this just happened to me recently. I've had a big blow up in, <laughs> but, and I've spent time working through the emotional part of it, but then it's had so many blessings. That's the point of it. It's not to look at it as a problem or a challenge. It's to say, what's the silver lining? Why is this coming to me? Because then you go, oh, and sometimes you don't know, by the way. I mean, I'm not saying like beat yourself up about trying to figure it out. Sometimes you won't know right away. But once you go through it, once you experience it, if, you know, done with awareness and dedication and focus and and self-nurturing, I promise there's a freedom and a lightness and a clarity on the other side of that. And that was the reason for it. Mm, I love this. I I feel like we could talk about this forever, but I want to shift because there's a few things I want to ask you before we wrap up. One of them is I came across your term here and that is an empowerment strategist. 
I know we've been talking a ton about it already, but can you articulate in a few sentences, what, what is an empowerment strategist? So I've done some of those, you know, brain tests and, and a uh, strength finder test and uh, just the evaluation of sort of what I do. And, and, and personal trainer was limiting and it is limiting, right? If I tell you a personal sure. trainer and all of a sudden I'm going to want to talk to you about your life. You're, you're in like, the personal trainer box. Right. Yeah. I don't like, I don't like that box. It doesn't fit me. It never has for maybe two or three years it did, but then past that it's been, I've been out of that box forever. So what I know that I really do and how I feel, what I believe is that we get ourselves into situations where we feel powerless, where we feel that we don't have choice. And again, I think that's a lot of the root of a lot of issues that people have, whether they feel badly about themselves or they've allowed someone to tell them who they are or they feel trapped or they feel whatever. But the point is, is that we give our power away and or we and it happens to all of us it happened to me last week <laughs> it's about <laughs> it's about finding and in any situation understanding where your power is and either how you've given it away or how you can reclaim it that doesn't mean anyone else has to change it just means honoring that part in you and recognizing it and saying oh well i just gave all my power away by believing that or by doing that or by saying that and so to me when you feel more powerful like the definition really of of uh, depression is feeling powerless. And so to me, if we can uncover whatever it is that you're sad or feeling depressed or powerless over and re-examine it and reframe it and really see the light in it and where it's not actually true that you're powerless, because I don't believe anyone is powerless ever. Viktor Frankl wrote A Man's Search for Meaning after he came out of a concentration camp and he he learned, his whole family was killed, he said, nobody can control my mind. You can beat me, you can hold me hostage, you can kill me, but you can never control my thoughts. Mm. And so it's really finding and, and reclaiming and helping people to become empowered in every aspect of their life, their relationships, their health. So that's really what I do. I just want to go, boom. <laughs> that's such a cool way to explain it. So, so this is cool. You, you have dropped so much value in regards to how to actually put these things in place. But once someone's done this, once they've gone through the emotional healing, once they've done the work, how do they stay accountable for the long term? And what, what tips and strategies or just ideas do you have to, to make it sustainable, to make it long term so that these lessons and pain someone goes through sticks? Well, first I'm going to say it's not a one-time thing. It's not like a car wash. You go through the, you know, or it is like a car wash, actually. You go get your car wash and the car gets dirty and you go back and you wash the car again. It's kind of an ongoing process. It's about, it's the acclimating to the process. It's the being at ease with. It's being not resistance to. It's not being, not being afraid of. It's having tools to use to help you problem solve, to help you feel better. It's having an outlet. And it's also having support, like you mentioned. So as somebody is becoming aware or starting to pay attention to some of these things, I'm going to suggest that the best thing you can do, and it's not even working with somebody, but it's really important to be within a community or create a community or find a community where you feel safe and you can look at other people's journeys and learn from them as well. If you look to your own, let's say in a relationship, a lot of people think I have to do this with my spouse. You don't. You don't. Is it nice if you do? Absolutely. It feels so good. But you don't have to, and I know that from experience. So one person can make a shift in any relationship by working on your stuff and releasing your stuff. And really, and it's not about you changing for somebody else. It's about you 
just getting clear with yourself. So find a community, a friend, a support group, uh, you know, a therapist is a great thing, but really I think you need a community of multiple people doing work that helps support you and that you can then bounce ideas off of and feel safe saying, Hey, I'm stuck or I feel stuck. And what do I do? Because if you hold on to shame or embarrassment and you don't talk to anybody about it, it's never going to shift. Mm. This is awesome. I, I love what you talked about. We're really wired for a tribe. There's no way we're going through life alone. I mean, we're born into community and we die with the people around us that, we, that we've known all of our lives and we've impacted. So thanks for touching on that. This has been such a great episode. It went a direction that I had no idea it was going to go. And I think a lot of people are going to have questions. Where can they connect with you and learn more about what you're doing for the rest of 2015? Well, I'm uh, just about to launch season two of my Fit to Love podcast show. So the best place to reach me would be on the Fit to Love website. So it's fit, the number two, love.tv, F-I-T, the number two, L-O-V.tv. And and actually, we mentioned this when we talked before, but I want to just mention it again. I have a, a feelings and needs list, especially for you guys, but really it's good for everybody. And it's a downloadable sheet that you can get off my website on episode 118, Three Steps to Effective Communication, and it's on Thoughtful Thursdays. So my show is broken up into six different days of the week. Movement Mondays is exercise and fitness. Tasty Tuesdays is cooking and nutrition. Those are videos. Then we've got Wellness Wednesdays, Thoughtful Thursdays, Freedom Fridays, and Sexy Saturdays. Those are all audio-only shows with the different themes of wellness and psychology and mindset and spirituality, law of attraction, numerology, dating, relationship, marriage, self-care. So it's all there, um, but under, sec- under Thoughtful Thursdays, episode 118, it's called The Feelings and Needless. It's free. You can download it. You can listen to the show and use the sheet at the same time, but I would say based on that conversation we had about emotions and men especially, this would be something that would start to open your eyes and give you a way to process that's just so clear and easy. All right, cool. So if there's anyone listening whose husband, you know, needs some help in this issue or just boyfriends, whoever you is in your life, um, we'll make sure to link that feelings and needs list as well as your book, uh, Fit to Love in the show notes. JJ, thanks so much for coming on today. This has been really powerful and a ton of fun. Thanks, Josh, for having me. It was very fun. Thanks for listening to the show. Head on over to wellnessforce.com slash radio for all the links, show notes, and bonus content. If you're interested in changing old habits with new technology, download your free digital health transformation guide at wellnessforce.com slash radio.